On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we are going deeper into the KU-UCF game. Short-term and long-term takeaways after a dominant offensive line and rushing game performance and a 51-22 win over UCF for KU football. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also find our show on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. And uh, don't forget, you can check out our game recap or late night in the fog recap and anything else that we've recently done. Uh, we're going to be talking short-term, long-term takeaways from KU's dominant win over UCF on Saturday in Lawrence. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase with GameTime. Uh, so let's start with our short-term takeaways. We'll get to our long-term after that, and then we'll get a little a bit more into the KU Oklahoma State game upcoming this Saturday in Stillwater. First short-term takeaway from KU's win is the KU's offensive line dominated that game against UCF. Through the first six games of the season, really good returns from the offensive line, and that continued again against UCF. Only one sack allowed. Uh, you had only five tackle for loss allowed, despite the large number of plays and running plays that you ran. You look at some of the pro football focus numbers. I, I don't know. This is going to be a quick diatribe on. I use pro football focus numbers. I like them. They're a good reference point, but you have to be able to take everything with a grain of salt. And this is one of those times where I do not trust anything here. Now, the 78 pass block grade on pro football focus, I think that reflects what I saw. I do not believe pro football focus gave Kansas their worst run block grade of the season in a game in this one. They had a 48.6 run block grade. And maybe you're thinking, okay, well – did the running backs just run like that well? Was it just Adrian Peterson type runs in the backfield, Barry Sanders type runs where you know it wasn't great run blocking, but they just broke like five tackles a play? Because clearly to run for 399 rushing yards, if you didn't run block well, then you must have had to, you know, just be all American superheroes in the backfield. They had a 65 running grade. So I'm just not trusting any of the pro football focus numbers for the, the run block grade and everything like that in this game. They are not reflective at all. How do you run for 399 yards if your running grade is bad and your run block grade is bad? Doesn't make sense. Something doesn't add up there. So I'm not putting any account into that. What I saw was the offensive line mauling people were the tight ends mauling people and creating key blocks. Jared Casey, again, seemingly uh, at the focal point of a lot of big blocks. Same with Mason Fairchild and Charlie Cardell in this game. Even the receivers just continuing to block downfield. We've talked a little bit about that, whether it was last year or earlier this season. Receivers have done a really good job blocking, but that was a dominant game from the offensive line. You run for 399 yards. You keep your quarterback clean for the most part. Um, this offensive line really every week. I mean, even in the Texas game, your pass blocking grade wasn't great, uh, though there wasn't a ton of sacks or anything like that. But, you know, your run blocking grade was still good against Texas. I think it's pretty clear in the short term, your offensive line has been everything you lived up to be. Now, uh, why this isn't in the long term? Well, you want to see it continue to happen. You're going to continue to play Big 12 opponents and deal with bumps and bruises and injuries. Mike Nowitzki dealing with some sort of an injury. Uh, so that's why it's on the short term. Another short term takeaway from the game, KU having a good backup quarterback has now led to two wins since last season. Um, you go back to last season and, and 
backup quarterbacks were really the, I don't know, almost defining trait of the Big 12 a season ago. Uh, for TCU, Max Duggan was the backup to start the year. Chandler Morse gets hurt. He comes in. They go to the national title game. Kansas State has Adrian Martinez get injured. And then Will Howard comes in and, you know, usurps Adrian Martinez a season ago for them. Uh, Kansas obviously has Jason Bean come in and he wins them the game that gets them bowl eligible against Oklahoma State. And then you have other teams who had backups that got thrown in there and it went south because of it. Like Oklahoma in the game against Texas last year loses 49-0 without Dylan Gabriel. They lose against TCU without Dylan Gabriel. TCU wins like four or five straight games against backup quarterbacks. Um, you have all these teams that, you know, boom or busted based on the backup quarterbacks. And early this year, that's been kind of a thing too. UCF had to deal with backup quarterback issues. Oklahoma State had backup quarterback issues last year and I don't know. They were just rotating guys earlier this season. seems like they've kind of settled on Alan Bowman. Uh, backup quarterback is such a key position and is becoming such a critical thing. And now you go back to last year, KU having a competent, good backup quarterback in Jason Bean was the reason they got bowl eligible. KU now having a competent, good backup quarterback in Jason Bean is the reason why. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Maybe you would have been able to stick Ballard out there uh, against UCF with the way you were running the football and the way your defense played, and it probably wouldn't have mattered. But still, uh, you didn't make any key mistakes. You didn't leave to the momentum the other way. And, and you had a couple throws that were tough throws to make. I know you didn't have like a ton overall with, you know, just going nine of 12 that you don't, you know, you have less than like a hundred yards passing or, or whatever it was, 120. And uh, the two throws that he had to Luke Grimm, the one on the first drive of the game where for Kansas, where they're, he's rolling to his left and kind of lofts it to the sideline, Luke Grimm. And then the other one where um, Luke Grimm is running like a, a deep out or a corner out or something. And you have like the the second level of the UCF defense is underneath him, and the third level of the defense is behind him. You have like a tight window, kind of a small bucket you have to place it into, where you have to get the arc over the second level, but you can't arc it too much where the third level can come in. And he placed it perfectly to Luke Grimm. Plays like that, you're not seeing that from a lot of backup quarterbacks across the country, let alone in the Big Twelve. So having that good backup quarterback has directly led to two wins, and that's something I think is you're going to be building rosters moving forward. You're going to be looking at. Okay, how do you feel about the backup quarterback? And it's tough because typically you're seeing guys transfer if they're not the starting quarterback. So it's going to make it really tough across college football, and I think that's what we've seen. Kansas is very lucky to have two guys that you can trust with Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean. Other short-term takeaway, special teams has been special through the first six games and on Saturday. Um, there's still kind of any time with, with Kansas special teams, you're almost waiting for that other shoe to drop. Like, okay, at some point, like, is there going to be a blocked punt or you're going to give up a kickoff touchdown because we've seen it so often. Maybe we shouldn't be waiting on that to happen because it is pretty clear through the first six games of this season. Special teams have been pretty outstanding. They're ranked number 10 right now on ESPN's SP Plus on special teams. You have the two big returns, the, the punt return touchdown by Trevor Wilson. You have the kick return that was nearly a touchdown for Kenny Logan if he doesn't trip on, on his own guy who kind of fell uh, awkwardly in front of him and and kind of you know hurt the, the play there for him to have the kick return. Um, and really, I mean, Tabor Allen has been an amazing kickoff guy. I think nine kickoffs, nine touchbacks against UCF, and that's been all year long. He's just been a touchback machine. Uh, maybe we should start that as a nickname. Touchback Tabor Allen. You know, touchback Tabor Allen. I don't know if that's going to stick much because he's your kickoff specialist, and I don't know how much notoriety there is that. But, yeah, touchback Tabor Allen there. Um, and you even had two special teams mistakes against UCF. You had the block PAT that they ran back for two points. You had the missed short field goal. Those are probably your first two special teams mistakes all year. 
And typically that's what we're talking about with special teams. Just don't make mistakes. And that on its own would be an improvement. Just don't muff punts. Just don't, you know, have those little things come back to haunt you. You had two of them in this game, but still it was overall a success on special teams on Saturday and has been this season because of how good you've been, how mistake-free you were in the first five games and how impactful you were with those returns and some of your other plays in the other areas that overall special teams has been super impressive for KU. And you give credit to whether it's the guys who are listed as special teams coordinators like your Taiwo Onotolus, or you give credit to Lance Leipold. Um, you give credit to Sean Snyder for coming in. And I think you give credit to Lance Leipold for, you know, self-reflecting in the offseason saying, we need to find ways to improve this. So you go out there and you, you bring on Seth Keller and Charlie Weinrich from the transfer portal. Obviously you have internal improvement with, you know, certain guys, uh, either just the depth leading to better special teams or, you know, Tabor Allen obviously was a returning player. You bring in Damon Greaves, you bring in the coach and Sean Snyder to maybe help out with some of this stuff. Um, it's it's pretty clear special teams has looked pretty darn good through the first six games of the season. Uh, KU was also really good against the pass against UCF. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, this is a short-term takeaway, holding Kobe Hudson to one catch for five yards was really impressive. That That's a really good receiver who came in averaging over 20 yards per catch, who came in with nearly 500 receiving yards through their first five games. He held them to five yards. Really impressive short-term takeaway. Uh, and then uh, my last short-term takeaway, a healthy KU linebacker core is an overall solid unit. Now, you don't know how this is going to continue on with injuries through the course of the season, but Barry Hill struggled his first portion of the year because he was dealing with injury and playing through that, so it's understandable. He was really good on Saturday. He was one of KU's highest-graded players on Pro Football Focus on the defensive end, uh, one of the leading tacklers for the game. He was awesome. Cornell Wheeler and J.B. Brown bring some pop. Rich Miller's reliable. Craig Young showed off the pass coverage downfield on a deep ball where he was put out on a receiver. And, uh, you know, you saw the results in KU's best tackling grade of the season. They had an 85 tackling grade, their best of the season. And a lot of that is because the linebackers played well, who were typically at the focal point of tackling the football. And they did really well against a really athletic UCF offense. And, you know, tip of the cap to the KU defenses and the linebackers for uh, what they were able to do in that game. All right. Uh, we're going to continue on our long-term takeaways. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize picks is the most fun that you can have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, you pick more or less, and their projected stats, and you place the entry. It's that simple. You get to test your skills on prize picks this football season to make every game more exciting. It's daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. I was in on it on uh, Monday night. We'll see how this goes. I'm recording this on Monday, so this is before the game. You'll be able to judge how good or bad I did on Tuesday with this coming out. Um, I used prize picks to take the uh, the more on uh, Zach Wheeler, five strikeouts, and the more on Zach Gallon, four and a half strikeouts. And even just putting two of them together, it pays off three to one. So prize picks is, is awesome. It's super easy to use. They offer weekly promotions that can lead to all sorts of big payouts. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college with code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Long term takeaways from the KU. UCF game and uh by the way we will have a because we're now halfway through the season we've hit our second quarter of the games 
You know, we had our first quarter report after the first three. We'll have our second quarter report later this week. Nick Schwert will also join us later this week. Uh, Long-term, Kansas is an elite running team. They had 220 or more rushing yards in four of their six games now, including against UCF, running for 399 yards. Oddly enough, the Nevada game was KU's worst in yards per carry, and that's against, you know, one of your easier opponents at 3.6 yards per carry. But every other game has seen Kansas average at least five yards per carry, and that's even in the game against Texas. And now they've had four games where they've averaged six or more yards per carry, including against UCF. This is an elite running football team, and I think it's pretty clear. Teams have been coming in. You know, you, you saw the tape last year. You've seen what they've been able to do on the ground this year. Teams are coming in at this point still expecting you to run the football and still trying to stop that. And they just still haven't been able to, which which speaks to how well the football did. If, if you're good enough at something that other teams are planning for it and expecting it and you can still do it, that shows you how dominant you are and how good you are in a facet of the game. Uh, other long-term takeaway here, when Kansas tackles well, the defense plays well. So I talked about earlier, that was Kansas's best tackling grade of the season, 85 grade. And that was going to be important. We talked about leading up to the, the, the game that, Kansas was coming off a game against Texas where you had over 20 missed tackles and their skill players were able to get open. And obviously they have a lot of really talented, good skill players that it makes it tough. And, you know, some of what you do from a tackling grade perspective is just going to be week to week based on the opponent you play. Like sure, sure enough, when they play Oklahoma in a couple of weeks, I'd imagine it's going to be uh, probably a little bit worse of a tackling grade because Oklahoma has really good skill players on the outside versus a team who, you know, maybe you're going to play later in the season that that doesn't have as good of skill players that are going to make you miss on the outside. Uh, so it is going to be kind of dependent on your opponent, and you kind of, kind of do have to adjust expectations to that. But still, UCF was one of those teams who came in and you said, yeah, they have all the recipe to make you miss. And typically they are a team that breaks a lot of tackles. They have uh, quarterbacks who are dual threats who can make you miss. Both the running backs are super quick, fast guys that make you miss. Their top two receivers make you miss. Their skill players make you miss, right? Like everything on paper about UCF was – they're going to make you miss with the ball in their hands. KU had the best tackling grade of the season. And now, by KU's three best tackling grades of the season, in order, it is UCF 1, BYU 2, and Illinois 3. And what do all those games have in common? Well, Kansas won the games. What else they have in common is that those are arguably KU's three best defensive performances of the year. Now, you could say the Missouri State game, but, you know, whatever. It's based on competition with an FCS game. You expect a good performance. Uh, the Nevada game, you have 24 points and, you know, they were to able to kind of match you going score for score. I think you would argue that your three best defensive performances of the year are UCF, BYU and Illinois. You know, BYU, you get two defensive touchdowns. Illinois, um, outside of the one like, you know, quarterback scramble for a touchdown, which just everybody got lost. You would have held them to what, like 16 points, something like that. And then against UCF. That's probably the best defensive performance of the year, holding what coming in was one of the top offenses in the country and the co conference to 22 points um, is, is very impressive, right? And I mean, honestly, the fact that KU forced one turnover in the game and still was able, like it wasn't a situation where UCF scored 22 points because they had four turnovers. Like that was just a really good defensive performance by KU. So uh, all three of those, you had good tackling grades. And I think that's a long-term when you're looking to say, well, is Kansas going to play well defensively? you say, well, are they going to tackle the football well? And if they tackle the football well, I think they're going to play well defensively. Uh, Long-term takeaway here, prior to the game, if we took inventory for the first few weeks um, based on your non-con schedule, I almost want, like prior to Kansas UCF tipping off, 
I, I was starting to wonder because Illinois had lost to Nebraska on Friday night and Illinois the week before had just been blown out by Purdue and neither Purdue or Nebraska are seen as very good. And then you look at like Nevada's like 0 and 5, 0 and 6, something like that. And you look at Missouri state and they're over in FCS play. And you kind of start to look back and you're wondering and you're like, Oh no, like is, is the non-con like, was that indicative of anything? How good is Kansas before the UCF game? Well, turns out the long-term takeaway after the UCF game ends up being, is Kansas the third best team in the Big 12? Because the way that you demolished UCF, you know, Kansas State beat UCF and they ran all over them too. You still ran for over 100 yards more than they did. And that was still a game that, you know, UCF was kind of competitive in. Now that was obviously played on the road for K-State and you got to play them in Lawrence. Um, but when you're having that conversation, the Big 12 is wide open right now. Right now, the teams that are being mostly discussed as being the third best team in the Big 12 behind Texas and Oklahoma, Kansas State, Kansas, BYU, who you already beat. Um, I don't know, West Virginia. West Virginia's had a good start to the season, right? It's a wide open conversation. And I think because of the UCF win, and who knows, maybe UCF ends up being like five and seven too. I think BYU is going to be pretty good. So maybe that ends up being your best win of the year. I think UCF is probably your, your second best win, but how dominant you were, maybe UCF is your best win just from that standpoint of how it all looked. Um, now you can have those conversations again. And now you feel a little bit better. And now you don't just look at it as like, oh man, but who have they beaten? Now it's like, no, okay, they continue to, to show that they're way better than some of these teams. Last long-term takeaway here, the Jalen Daniels injury is real, and it is a weird one. Now, I think um, I, I mentioned this in the post-game recap that Jalen Daniels wasn't on the sideline, and, and we would need more information to, to kind of discuss more about what that was about. Well, we heard from Lance Leipold in post-game that Jalen Daniels, they didn't want him on the sideline because of the nature of his injury, that you know sometimes if, if there's a play that angles out of bounds – um, and there's some contact or somebody falls over, or somebody gets pushed or whatever, players have to jump out of the way, right? Well, Jalen's injury, and because of his back, he can't really make probably quick, sudden movements where it's like, oh, somebody's coming at me, I better jump out of the way, right? That's probably not going to be good to healing his back injury. So that is why they decided to put him on the sideline. It is leading to more weird conversations. Again, though, I, I can't believe I'm having to have this conversation again. Uh, all the rumors about, oh, Jalen's going to transfer. Jalen's going to do it. No, it's not going to happen. Like, I even saw him at the KU football facility today. He was talking to a player, looked to be in good spirits and everything. Obviously, I'd imagine he's frustrated with having to be injured and stuff too, right? Like, it's frustrating for the fans not seeing him on the field. Probably frustrating for him that he can't get on the field too. Like, this is a guy who wants to play. He loves playing football, and I think he likes the University of Kansas. So, uh, the injury is real, and I don't know how long it's going to keep him out for. I continue to be like, well – Maybe it makes sense this week. Then you have the bye week next week. Maybe Oklahoma makes sense. Maybe after that makes sense. Jason Bean's actually played well against Oklahoma in the last two years. I mean, uh, they could have beat him in Lawrence two years ago with Jason Bean. And so uh, just get Jalen Daniels right. Get him healthy for the long haul. It's going to continue to be a long-term thing here, and it's unfortunate, and it sucks. It sucks for Jalen. It sucks for KU. It sucks for the fans. But um, it is a weird thing, and it's happening. And uh, I, I do think it's going to be a little bit more long-term than just a uh, – kind of week-to-week thing. And Lance Leipold earlier this week said he uh, did not practice on Monday. Uh, we're going to finish up. More look at uh, Oklahoma State. First, though, this episode of the show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Don't be caught unprepared. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one one of their board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from the physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor-created, doctor-recommended. 
Jace Medical is simple. You go online, you fill out that form, then you get a prescription and life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication if there is some sort of emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com with code Locked done for $20 off these life-saving medications with Jace Medical. More on what's next. KU taking on Oklahoma State on Saturday. Game will kick off at 2.30. You can listen to it all on KLWN and 105.9 KISS in Lawrence. And uh, Oklahoma State comes off their biggest win of the year over Kansas State. This team that lost earlier this year in a blowout to South Alabama, who a South Alabama team that won you know double-digit games a year ago and is pretty good non-con team, but still get blown out. Uh, not something you expect. They, they do have like a road uh, power five win over Arizona state. I don't think Arizona state's very good, but still a road power five win. You know, that's it. It's not easy to win uh, on the road, uh, especially against power five opponents. So uh, that does speak at least a little bit there. They were going through quarterback rotations with playing really three different guys. Alan Bowman kind of took the job last week and got their win over Kansas state. You honestly, in my opinion, would rather play them off the win over Kansas State than playing them off a loss. Maybe catch them a little bit high, expecting to, to kind of beat you here. Early on the line in this one is is favoring Kansas by about three and a half points. Um, that seems about right to me. Kansas has really struggled in Stillwater. Last time they were there in 2021, Jason Bean, uh, that was a, a tough game. I think he was like three of 10 or something like that for a very low yardage. It was the lowest QBR game of his career. I think it was like a two QBR somewhere in that range. Like Oklahoma State that year had an unbelievable defense in the Big 12. That was a team that went to the Big 12 championship. They're not quite as good this year, uh, but still, it's tough to win in Stillwater. It's tough to win on the road. So you can't really take anything for granted. But this is an opportunity for KU to get bowl eligible in week seven. This is an opportunity for KU to be like, no, we are going to hang around the top of the Big 12. And this is an opportunity for KU to go into the bye week with a ton of momentum before Oklahoma. So pivotal game for Kansas. They're favored right now by three and a half points. You can uh, get in on the action on FanDuel. We'll have our second quarter report coming up later this week. Nick Schwert will join us later this week as well. And we'll get to our KU Oklahoma State preview on a Friday show with Locked on Jayhawks. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, we'll see you next time wherever you get any of your podcasts or on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. Later.